Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I am not Matt Farrell, despite all appearances. <laughs> I'm Sean Farrell. I am Matthew's brother, and he is here to say hello. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about the most recent episode, which is titled Supercapacitors Explained, The Future of Energy Storage? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> this was from September 1st, 2020. And the alternate title for this is An Unending Series of Bad Puns Proving That Matthew Is Our Mother's Son. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the second such video in about three weeks. Among the notables are the potential is there for supercapacitors to take charge of the energy storage game. Yeah. Battery technology is currently good enough. <laughs> and even if you're not attracted to magnetism, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> you're welcome as I take a slow bow. <laughs> So I think my first question is, how much punishment do you think your audience can uh, take? Oh, Sean. <laughs> so just to, to clarify for everybody, our mother is the queen of bad puns. So you can blame her <laughs> for all of this. Yes. So capacitors, those little doohickeys that look like little tiny robots with little wire legs that you find inside radios and computers and as a child whenever you saw something that had been broken open or taken apart and you saw those little things you'd think i wonder what those are yeah exactly. and now i'm looking at your video and in your video you show a capacitor and i'm like oh it's the little robot <laughs> little robot man little robot man <laughs> with little legs that's who we're talking about we're talking about that guy yeah so that was exciting yeah i was happy to find that out one of the things that stood out for me was that this was a great example of technology that was created at a time when people were like, well, we can do this. We don't have anything to do with it, Yeah, but we can do it. Yep. And then it was quite a while before somebody said, hey, I think I know how to use that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scientists being way ahead of their time. It looked like most of the applications that you were talking about were ones that involved kinetic applications, driving an engine, yeah. Uh, getting energy from braking and reusing that energy immediately for acceleration in the case yep. of the, the motorcycle that's not even intended for consumption, but just a, an example of what the energy, what the technology can do. So my question to you to start this off is that can't be the only application for this. There are also digital applications, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's... I use that because it's probably the best example that I think most people can wrap their heads around because the sudden increase in energy that you get from hard braking or not even a hard braking, just braking and mm -hmm. accelerating. It's like that you can kind of wrap your head around of, oh, that's a sudden burst of power that's needed. That's a sudden amount of power coming in. You'd be able to, you have to be able to handle that. Supercapacitors make sense. There's other good examples like skeleton technologies uh that company i talked about a little bit in the video they are used at i can't remember what stadium it is there's a um sports stadium that they have an entire facility that can handle the large influx of energy that's needed and used when you turn on the stadium lights and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so it's there's definitely use cases that go beyond just 
<laughs> cars. Right. And somebody actually reached out to me after the video and mentioned how they're buying basically super capacitor packs that are being used in remote locations in third world countries that suffer from disasters. So there are these portable packs that you can take and put them in a remote region that needs some way to store energy for short periods of time just to keep the lights on in hospitals and little facilities. Mm. He was reaching out to me basically saying, it seems to be working, but what do you think? And I was like, well, if it's working for you, <laughs> it's like, that's great. And it's basically the UN is using stuff like this. So it's like, this is, it's basically just, you can think of it as a battery because it's storing energy. It's just doing it in a different way and it doesn't hold as much power as a lithium ion battery, but you can use it in all the same situations. It really depends what you're trying to do because the more power you need, the more power hungry something is, how much power it needs at once. Supercapacitors make more sense than a, a lithium ion battery. But if you need longer term storage, then a lithium ion battery makes more sense than a supercapacitor. So long term is more likely a battery application and is high energy burst like speed of of the energy release is that also to the uh capacitors advantage yeah it, the best analogy that i use in the video is it's like a hose so if you need a massive hose because you need to just have a flood of energy and like one <laughs> just, big burst just the phrase if you need a massive hose <laughs> <laughs> like, out of whoa. context <laughs> yeah. hey, ladies talk about punishment <laughs> oh god <laughs> but yes, if you need a massive burst of power, it's like that's where capacitors have the leverage over a battery. But batteries can retain their energy longer and they have a higher energy density, which means there's less of a footprint in that battery pack that you need. So if space isn't a concern and you don't need to store this energy for long periods of time, but you need to handle large influxes of power in and out, it's like that's where capacitors really shine. And the other benefit to supercapacitors, they last forever, where lithium-ion batteries degrade over you know, a decade, 15 years. They lose a significant portion of their total capacity, mm -hmm. where supercapacitors, they can go through like a million cycles of from 100 to 0%, 100 to 0 a million times. Mm -hmm. And they can last for 40 years. Or Is that more. because so on, the, on the battery side, you're talking about a chemical reaction? And yes. on the capacitor side, you're talking about a static charge that's basically just sitting between two different plates. Yeah, plates. I mean, supercapacitors are kind of a hybrid between the two. There is some chemical play going on in there, but it's less and it's managed in a different way. But in batteries, you have these lithium-ion batteries that are transitioning between the anode and cathode, and there there's basically like almost metal buildup on one of the electrodes over time. So you get these like stalactite-like formations that start to fill, uh, grow and the expansion contraction causes cracking and issues to happen. So batteries are, it's harder on a battery because of the chemical reaction that's happening. It's very different in a, in a supercapacitor. So they have a longer lifespan because there's less of that going on. And then the hybrid zone between just a battery or just a capacitor seems to be one of the solutions for that issue. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned in the video, that it can, the inclusion of a capacitor can increase the longevity of a battery by up to four times. Mm -hmm. So that would seem to encourage a hybridization. But is that hybridization 
something that only works in certain technologies. Like I'm, I'm wondering about, would there be a point where our phones might include that sort of hybrid technology or is there not enough room within a phone for a capacitor to be added? There, for something like a phone, that wouldn't make any sense because it's such a low power draw that happens somewhat consistently right. over the course of using the the phone. It doesn't. It, you would not get a benefit from a capacitor, and it would just take up way too much space because it's like batteries are about ten times more energy dense than a capacitor. So your phone would be about ten times larger, <laughs> right? If you're going to make it a capacitor, suddenly so it's it like would a, look like an old right. World War II wind-up phone. Right. <laughs> Sean, is Matt calling? <laughs> <laughs> Can only talk for a few seconds before my battery. T- <laughs> yeah. So certain situations don't. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then there's also the aspect that the two technologies are kind of racing towards each other. In a way, it's like batteries are getting more and more energy dense and there's new ways of making the batteries, new chemistries that are making them more capable at handling more power and giving them much longer lifespans. So they're becoming a little more capacitor-like in that, that regard. And then capacitors are becoming more battery-like where they're getting more and more energy dense and they're talking about graphene and they think that they'll be able to get super capacitors to the point where it's like where lithium-ion batteries are now. But the problem with that is lithium-ion batteries are not standing still. They're getting way better. So it's like they're kind of drifting towards each other, creating kind of like a blurred line between what a battery is, what a capacitor is. Mm -hmm. Even though under the hood, they're very different in the way they work. But from a use case perspective, those lines are blurring. So at some point, I don't think it's going to really matter too much. And I don't think one's going to win out over the other because they have very different use cases. But it's interesting to see how things are evolving. Right. That ties into something that a few people in your comments addressed, which was raised by specifically the comment from W.W. Egghorst, whose name I apologize once again. Egghorst wrote, I think it's just like SSDs in computers. First you got HDD, then HDD plus SSD, and now it's almost SSD only. And as you were just talking just now, it occurred to me that you're without directly arguing that you are arguing against that. Yeah. Cause what he's implying is that eventually capacitors will, will win out. Right. I don't think that's true at all. It's, I think there's, this is one of those things where people tend to pick their horse and they like their horse mm-hmm. and they, it's like, you got to, my, my better analogy would be you've got to pick the right tool for the job. And it's like, it doesn't, just because supercapacitors are going to get better and amazing in certain ways doesn't mean they're the one size fits all solution. They're not. And it's the same thing for batteries. Batteries are not going to be the right choice across the board either. So it's, they're going to get to the point where it's going to be so good that you could have a capacitor that runs a car and you don't have to use a battery. But then there's mm-hmm. going to be cases like we're going to have flying airplanes. You're not going to put a capacitor in that you're going to be putting a battery. So it's like there's different use cases that will demand which one you use and why. So there's a lot of moving parts. So I don't think, I think his analogy, while an interesting point of view, I think it's it's not taking the full everything into account. Right. It's, it's oversimplifying it a little bit. Right. And if nothing else, the analogy is a good way to get the conversation started and to be able Absolutely. to fully illustrate what you're talking about when you talk about the hybridization between the two. Yeah. 
I do like the analogy. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a really clear way to paint his point of view on it, too. It's like I did like the way he put it. And one final thing to visit on this subject. I One of the things you showed in your video and you've talked about it before is the graphene application and how that will impact all of this. There's been Tesla's pursuit of increases to battery technology. There's the potential of graphene involvement in battery technology. And now you're suggesting that there's also graphene applications within supercapacitors. And so my question is, is now the time to invest in graphene? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like plastics. Yeah. You know, and it, it just seems it's, like it's, that, that as a, th- that as a thing seems to be mm-hmm. what the future will be built out of in the next yep. century. The predictions are going to come true and people will keep like downplaying it because graphene was touted as the next big thing 20 years ago. And right. Too early. And it's not here yet. It's like, it's taking a while. Just give some time. And it's, it's starting now. It's like there's graphene lithium batteries already on the market. Mm-hmm. Skeleton Technologies uses, um, I think they call it curved graphene. So, and we're seeing big gains in the devices that are using graphene in one form or another. So it's mm-hmm. like it, we're starting to see it, and it's just the beginning. It's just going to keep. I am not invested in graphene. This will make that very clear. <laughs> I have no best interest in this. <laughs> And I am not a financial advisor. <laughs> Just trying to cover all of his bases now. Yeah. <laughs> don't sue me. Thank you for listening, but don't pay any attention to what I am saying. It's interesting the different time scales that are at operation here. You've got the the longest scale with introduction of supercapacitors at a point where there was really no application. The battery technologies, the graphene, all of them overlapping in different ways. And everybody trying to pick the one mm-hmm. that will work, the one that will be the best. And it just seems like they're all pushing each other forward together and we'll end up somewhere that we can't even really envision yet. It should be fascinating to see where we end up. You and I are both nerds, but I'm, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. what is the, isn't it Asimov that said something about like significantly advanced technology is going to appear as magic? I think it was Clark, but yeah. Clark, yeah. yeah. It's like, that's kind of how I view this stuff. It's like, some of what we're doing now is just laying the groundwork and the foundation for things that 50 years from now, 100 years from now are going to look like magic to us today. And yeah. it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around it when we're still understanding everything that we're doing. It's, the potential is incredible. Yeah, in the same vein is science fiction authors. I think it also might've been Clark who said that, the limitation of human imagination looking forward is about 25 years. And so we envision this future society that is limited by our contemporary setting. So you you just have to look back at science fiction, classic science fiction to see that at play when a show like Star Trek, uh, when it first premiered was like, just imagine if somebody had a tiny communication device in their pocket (laughs) And now lo and behold, <laughs> our flip phones were even more advanced than those communication devices or, you know, the tricorder. And it, it sound, it's going to sound like a, ta- a, a tangent, but uh, Neuralink had a, uh, <laughs> an event, I think it was last week, where it was actually a, an event for recruiting because they're trying to hire 
scientists and neurologists and everything to complete to help the next phase of Neuralink. Mm-hmm. And they gave this amazing demonstration where they brought out a whole bunch of pigs and the pigs that they're experimenting on with Neuralink to show what it's capable of. And I can't tell you, you know how like you have those like mind blown moments. Mm-hmm. I had like 18 of those, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> moments during that whole presentation with these little pigs and describing what the technology is already capable of doing, how they put it in there, what they think it's going to end up costing to have it put in, which by the way, at some point Elon said he wants this to cost about as much as getting LASIK done mm. to have a thing put in your brain so that you can talk to your computers. But it's like Star Trek with those, what are those, the binary species, you remember from mm-hmm. Next Generation? Yeah. Where it's those two things that just stand at each other and look at each other and blah, 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 <laughs> back and forth, they're having conversations. That is freaking Neuralink. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is sci-fi stuff he, they were talking about. Like the neurologists that were there and the surgeons that were basically saying, yeah, once we kind of master this, we'll be able to offload memories into a computer and right. then you can put the memories back. And then I start thinking, that's amazing and horrifying. Yeah. It's like you could put memories in somebody's brain that aren't their memories or alter a memory. Or it's like I started going down this black mirror. Yeah, what's well, like Johnny and Johnny Mnemonic when Johnny <laughs> yeah. Mnemonic has to transport data and he ends up clearing headspace for the data in his brain. And yes, the way he does it is by deleting the fourth grade. Yes. It's, it's yeah. like I, I read. It's like it's like I, I remember reading Neuromancer when I was high school. It's like I'm just having all these flashbacks of like this is awesome and a horror show all at the same time. That's right. <laughs> and the fact that they were demonstrating Neuralink with pigs, yeah, means that we have engaged the pork. Oh God, Sean! <laughs> I think we have our t- episode title. <laughs> <laughs> engage the pork <laughs> oh god so Thank we you, can't we can't turn back from there nor would we try and before we finish with this episode as usual we can share a couple of the things that we're using to distract ourselves to keep ourselves entertained to maintain our sanity during an era that keeps telling us this is all a computer simulation gone terribly wrong i'll start And what I would like to talk about is a podcast that is called Zach to the Future. If you're thinking that this is a podcast about the show Saved by the Bell, you are right. Mm -hmm. Zach to the Future features Mark Paul Gossler, who played Zach Morris in Saved by the Bell. And according to the write-up, Zach... Our Mark Paul Gossler has not watched an episode of Saved by the Bell since he walked off the set over 25 years ago. In the podcast, he has partnered with Dashiell Driscoll, who is currently writing the series Reboot, and who wrote the Funnier Die series, Zach Morris is Trash. I will heartily encourage everybody to listen to this podcast. I say that as somebody who has not seen any Saved by the Bell. I <laughs> never watched the show. Uh-huh. I was in college when it was on the air and I did have friends who did watch it, which is a little disturbing considering we were college aged people watching a show that featured teenagers. Whenever I walked into a room with Saved by the Bell on the television, I would immediately walk out because I thought it was so <laughs> stupid. Because it was. Because it was. 
but I had friends who watched it. So I was aware of it as a show. My girlfriend, who is younger than I am, was a fan of the show. And so when she found out about this podcast, she was very interested in it. And she and I will listen to podcasts in the background while you know, I'll be doing something on the computer and she'll be playing a game on her phone and we'll just have a podcast on. And she asked me one day, do you mind if I listen to this one? And I was like, no, that's perfectly fine. And I very quickly fell in love with it because the dynamic between Mark Paul Gossler and Dashiell Driscoll is very playful, very entertaining. They sound like they genuinely enjoy each other's company. And the way they take the shows apart, it's week by week. They're watching the show in order. The stunned responses that Mark Paul Gossler has to his own show is so entertaining. He looks at it from, he's got two simultaneous responses. One is the nostalgic, I had joy working with these people. These are friends of mine, that kind of response. And also, oh my God, is this badly done? And at times I, I was just talking with my girlfriend earlier and she said, I can't wait till they get to the episode where they have to research their family trees because the cultural appropriation in it is so horrible. She can't wait <laughs> for them to talk about it. As we've listened to it, and I've now they're now, I think, six episodes in, I haven't seen the show, but they just break it down scene by scene. They have conversations about the motivation and how it was shot and what the writing was like and, and what the thinking was behind doing things in a certain way. Sometimes they have guests that um, are interviewed, other people who were side characters, short discussions about basically just like memory lane stuff. Like, what was it like to shoot? Do you remember working with this person? That sort of thing. But it is genuinely an entertaining program, despite the fact mm -hmm. that I've never seen an episode. So I give it a thumbs up. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. It's great background material that is lighthearted, uh, stress relief listening so it it's funny to me that a show about the show is better than the show yeah yeah <laughs> that is definitely what is going on here as far as i'm concerned and the show has its fans and i and i also think it's amazing that dashel driscoll's uh connection to the show was he started doing the funnier die series years ago called zach morris's trash basically mm -hmm. the point of his funnier die series was to look at the motivations of the main character and demonstrate that he's a terrible person. But he did that because he's so in love with the show. It, it was such a special program for him. And now he's the head writer on the reboot, which also apparently involves Mark Paul Gosler and other members of the original cast. And in the reboot, it is a new set of kids. But in the reality of the reboot, Mark Paul Gosler's character, Zach, is now governor of California. <laughs> so it's this weird <laughs> universe that's this little pocket universe off to the side with it's, – it's just so silly. Um, and and the, the podcast just makes it so listenable as opposed to the show being viewable. For me, I've actually – this is the season where shows have started to kind of like kick into high gear again, which is mm -hmm. kind of fun. Uh, and I've actually watched the pilots of a bunch of shows, but the one that I wanted to make a note of here is a show called Raised by Wolves that's on HBO Max. And it's produced by Ridley Scott. 
but the creator of the show is his name is I'm going to butcher his last name, Aaron Guzikowski. I think that's how you say his last name. You just, um, just run through it as fast as you can. Guzikowski. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the trailers for this, Sean. We saw the trailer, and my girlfriend's response was, "So it's a show about David Bowie." <laughs> yes. Which I thought was both a perfect description of yes. what we had just seen, but also made it even more enticing to me because the program yes. does look like it's right up my alley. It It is a show that it feels like somebody went into my head and pulled a thread and was like, this is perfectly made for Matthew. <laughs> And it feels like that way for you too. Yeah. Uh, all you have to do to pull on my heartstrings is to make a story about an android. Uh, it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, Star Trek: Next Generation. Mm-hmm. There's a really cr- crappy movie from HBO that I watched all the time in the '80s Saturn called 5. Android. Oh, Android. It, it, do you remember that movie? It was I like a B level, C level yeah. movie. Yeah. It, it the movie it was, had aspirations to be a B level movie. It was like. Yeah. <laughs> It was bad, but it was for me as a kid, I recognized this is a bad movie, but there were elements of the theme that were so incredible that just kept drawing me back to the story Mm -hmm. that it was trying to represent. It it failed in doing it, but it Mm -hmm. was, I gave it applause for a job well done, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Nice try. Mm -hmm. Uh, This show, you saw the trailer. I don't want to give anything away to people who haven't seen it, but there's, it starts out with basically two androids landing on a planet and they basically rebirth six children, humans, mm-hmm. and they're trying to raise them to save humanity because humanity was on the verge of extinction and they're trying to basically repopulate a new planet with humankind. And it is surprisingly heartwarming, these two androids, the way they interact with each other and how mm-hmm. they interact with the kids. And they're clearly not human in the way that they deal with danger. Mm. <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazingly touching at times and also very cold and calculated, which makes perfect sense because they're androids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought based on the trailer that season one would be exploring what the trailer teased as to what the storyline was going to be. I thought it was going to be an entire season of getting to this place as to what are these androids? Right. Where did they come from? What is their real motivation? And what happened to humanity? I will say that's actually episode one. Okay. <laughs> so what I thought was going to be a season right. turned out to be just the pilot. And so the fact that they did that makes me even more excited for where is this show going to go? <laughs> right. Because I have, if you've seen the trailer, it actually does not spoil anything other than the pilot. So you can go in knowing I, you're, it, it's going to be anybody's game right. <laughs> with what happens in this show. And that kind of gets me super excited to see what they're going to explore between what like part of what it draws me to these Android stories is you can explore what it means to be human. What is humanity? Right. What is a soul? Like all of that. You can explore all that in a very interesting way by using them as kind of a, a cipher, I guess, for, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this show just looks visually stunning. It looks just like the last um, Aliens movie that Ridley Scott made. What was it called? Um, the it was sequel the prequel to Prometheus. Alien. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was Prometheus. Yeah. So if, if you liked the look of Prometheus, that's what this show looks like. And the special effects are at that level. Like just the opening sequence of the ship landing on the planet, it feels like you're watching a massive, huge budget blockbuster film. It is gorgeous. And the acting is very good. It's all actors. I don't know. It's like I barely recognize any of these actors in the in the film. So it's you really can kind of get engrossed into the characters and you're not thinking I'm looking at you know, Tom Cruise. It's like you're, you're kind of engrossed in the characters themselves. So it's really cool. I would definitely recommend checking it out. If you're a science fiction fan, definitely check it out. That sounds really, that sounds really good. And I'll definitely want to check that out. So everybody should let us know what they are checking out. Let us know what you think about the episode or about Matt's video. Let us know what you think by reaching out to us at Twitter at still TBD FM. You can reach out to me directly at by Sean Farrell, and you can reach out to Matt at either at Matt Farrell or at Undecided MF. Please be sure to watch for the latest videos from Undecided with Matt Farrell on YouTube. And you can check out the podcast at stilltbd.fm. You can also subscribe to us at iTunes, Spotify, or any place that podcasts are available. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast really does help the channel. The channel really does help Matthew. And then I surrender to the pork. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time.